The psychedelic revolution is here. If you want to integrate your visionary experiences into your purpose, get clear on your entrepreneurial path and help people while you do what you love, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to The Psychedelic Entrepreneur, medicine for these times. I'm your host, Beth Weinstein. I'm a spiritual business coach, three-time entrepreneur, and a lifelong student of psychedelics and sacred plant medicines. You carry your own unique medicine, and your medicine is what we need for these times. This podcast will help you to share your medicine so you can create transformation in the world. Listen in on conversations with psychedelic leaders, change makers, and conscious entrepreneurs who are living proof that a better world is possible when you follow your heart and live in alignment with your soul. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Psychedelic Entrepreneur. I'm so excited to have my friend and yoga teacher and neighbor, Allison Sinatra, here with us today. Hi, Allison. Hi, Beth. So nice to be here. Ah, it's so great to have you. And this is being recorded on her birthday at the exact time she was born 40-something years ago. <laughs> so 48 years ago. Ah, 48. She's a, not as... Not as, uh, not as nervous about age as I am. So let me tell you a little bit about Allison. So Allison is a creation of Creator. She has been teaching yoga and facilitating healing retreats and rituals for over 20 years. Her spiritual studies come from both South and North American plant medicine traditions. She loves working within the realms of deep sorrow and uncontrollable laughter. And you can follow her, sign up to her newsletters. You'll see her links right here in the show notes. Allison, you know, this is going to be so fun. I'm so excited because I've known you for, I don't know, a handful of years. I'm um, one of your devoted yoga class um, groupies that follows you everywhere you go. (laughs) (laughs) But I've never heard your entire story. I've heard little bits of it. I would love to know, how did you get onto this career path of teaching yoga, facilitating retreats? I know there's big things in the works, but all I've heard is you've mentioned something, I think something once about working in fashion, which was also my background in my previous life. But I would love to hear, like, what was your, your upbringing, your background that brought you to where you are now? We're all healing from working in fashion. That's how we all got here. (laughs) So I um, was living in Manhattan in the East Village, and I was working in fashion. And then that was making me um, really reflect inside myself, like, what, what is this doing for me at that moment? And so I started taking yoga, and I started taking it every day and getting very much into it. And um, my ex-boyfriend at the time, Kevin Courtney, he helped pay for my teacher training at Om Yoga, and I started teaching right away. Like it was, it was sort of simultaneously while I was in the te- the training, I started teaching at Bhava Yoga, which maybe some of you know, which is on was on fifth or actually like six between A and B, and it was just like this incredible hardcore downtown studio. And um, teaching was, uh, it just sort of caught me very quickly and it took off very quickly. I was also in the, the sort of the middle of when yoga blossomed in the city. Not the very beginning of like the first Jiva Mukti, but, but where like yoga took over Manhattan. 
and sort of all over the place. So I started teaching full-time right away, left fashion. Um, and within that, um, I, I had, you know, full classes. It was awesome. I got to teach many different kinds of people. But then at some point, it was actually my 31st year, exactly, on my birthday, that I was sort of almost got on my knees and said, this isn't totally giving me everything that I need. What else is it that I'm searching for? Because the yoga practice and even just the philosophy and the meditation, all of it, my soul was like craving something else. I had been single for six years. I was like, I need something else. So for on my 31st year, on this day, I started a fast for um, two weeks of no meat, no dairy, no, no nothing. It was basically just vegetables and juices. And I made a prayer unbeknownst to me, not knowing what a prayer actually was, but that's what I was doing. And I asked for something else. I signed myself up for Vipassana, the 10-day silent retreat. I was like, I want to do that. I'm just going to do anything that is going to sort of expand myself into a, a new place. So I had wanted to do medicine for a while, and it never synced up as many people who are probably listening or many people who, as you know, it, it comes to you when it comes to you. And actually, I've like always wanted to write a book about like how people arrived at the medicine because it's always such like a cosmic story of how that is choreographed in, um, in, in, in everyone's story. So that, um, month someone called me and said that there was an option to do Ibogaine. And, um, I said, yeah, I didn't really know much about it. I knew that Perhaps you, you would be paralyzed for a certain amount of hours and it was very strong. I knew it was from Gambon and I knew certain things, but I knew the people that I was going to be participating with were um, of the highest caliber and integrity. And the kind of person I am is um, I don't intellectualize things too much. I just feel it and then I say yes or no. So I said, yes, I'm going to go. So... They said, all right, this guy is going to pick you up to bring you to upstate New York. I still don't even know the town I was in where I did it. I was like, great, pick me up. I'm ready. I'm just ready for anything. So I get picked up from this friend who's a dear friend of mine now who I said, weren't you in my yoga class on Sunday? I had never seen you before. And I had led this sort of Sunday evening church like class. It was from six to eight at Kula Yoga. It was always packed. It was always just like, it was one of my favorite classes to teach. He picks me up, brings me to participate in the ceremony. While we're driving up, he said, you know, I'm going to Vipassana next week. And I said, so am I. That's interesting. Why don't we drive together? Okay, let's drive together. So I do the Ibogaine. It was, I had a very profound experience. It was my first... It was actually my second um, plant medicine ceremony. The first one was Machu Picchu um, doing Wachuma. Wow. So then we're driving home in the car, and he said, you know, there's another ceremony coming up, um, an ayahuasca ceremony. Would you, maybe you'd want to come. Okay. Let's, let's, 
you know, let's think about it. So we go to Vipassana together. Sorry, I'm confusing a little bit. We go to Vipassana. I have a lucid dream about a teacher who then, and I have this whole scene that happens to me. Anyway, a week later, that whole scene happens to me. I'm with that teacher that I dreamt about. My whole life opens up. I leave the city six months later. My, I meet my husband at that first ceremony. And that really um, gave me my life, really. So I move out of the city into a house by myself in the woods. My Jewish mother is like, who are you going to meet in the, in the woods by yourself? And I said, you're just going to have to trust me on that. And from that, from the medicine, that really opened up my whole ritual life, my whole retreat life. Even though I had been doing retreats from the right when I started, it opened up my women's retreats. It just opened up everything for me. It was like a portal. And from that point forward, my yoga life and my spiritual life, like I became a very integrated person. There was no like, okay, when I'm in ceremony, I'm this person. Or when I'm teaching a retreat, it's like, that's just who I was all the time. So that's a little bit of a gist of like how I even got to this point. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I had no idea. And I'm like, whoa. Okay, I thought my path was pretty intense, but that's... uh... That's no joke. And of course, starting with the start with the pretty intense stuff like Ibogaine. Um, This is interesting. So let's talk about what it is you offer now and what it is you're all about now. Because yeah, I've I've been following you. I always say I'm like following. Um, But I've been going to your yoga and known you as a friend. We have a lot of common friends within community and we also live right near each other. And Um, you know, I agree, like you are, you live the path, you walk the walk, you know, like you're really doing it, you know, it's like everything you bring into just a yoga class, which could just be exercise. It's literally, I remember when we met, you're like, come to my class, it's like ceremony. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I've never been to a yoga class like this before where it is, it's, it is like going to a whole spiritual service. It feels like, like I feel very renewed after it. Um, you know, the music, the, the meditation, the breath, the awareness, the community, but yeah, let's talk about what you're up to now and how, um, how it's been shaping over, you know, the last few years. And then also how your medicine work has tied into this, this path that you're on now. You know, it's been, I think, like everyone, a really deep time of going in and figuring out who, I'll just speak for myself, like who I am and what I want to offer and what that, you know, because everything is dying and being reborn. And I think within uh, each person, this is happening within our homes, within our communities, within our work. Like, what is it that I'm going to offer now? So I've been really sitting with this. And as you know, my father passed away a year ago, which was like a, you know, sort of like the sun in my orbit. So that also, you know, is all divinely choreographed with the rebirthing of myself in a whole other different individuation. So what I want to offer now, I have a a retreat coming out with the Illuminous Jessica Kaplan that we're having in at Menla in August. And that's going to be voice activation with uh, Sweat Lodge, with 
um, a breathwork session with yoga movement. I mean, yoga, it's it's hard to even use that term anymore because it's sort of morphed into other things. But yes, I love Iyengar and all the nitty gritty and the alignment and, um, but movement as medicine, even though I think even that term has been overused. All these words have been overused, you know, that's like, it's like <laughs> awakening, medicine, all these words. It's like hard to find that reclaim, rebirth. It's like, yes, all of that. So, um, Working with women, of course, is always like dear to my heart. Also, wanting to work more with teenagers is something that, um, because my daughter is 13 and she is an incredible human being who's very connected and whole and happy and guided and um, really shows me um, so much about myself, just the way she thinks. Um, and so working with teenagers is something that I, I really want to be doing, um, bringing ritual, bringing prayer, bringing ways to give tools to these young people of um, how to stay solid and connected moving forward in a world that may seem like uh, to them there might doesn't feel like a safe place to be, you know. So there's that. I'm also creating these celebration revivals, which, like as you said in my bio, I like to do this like deep sorrow work. I'm I've been known for helping people cry. That's a big thing. Helping people cry, helping just be in the circle of people getting pregnant and finding partners has all been something that I've been a part of. Just by chance over and over in the years. So creating celebration because I feel like the way that we're going to be able to let go of some of this anxiety and muck that we have just been in, we need the high frequency of joy in order to to help clear and also unify, really unify, you know, because that is like one of my main medicines is like to create inclusive spaces for people where everyone feels welcomed, where no one, I, I, I just cannot stand hierarchical systems uh, or, or, or if anyone th- thinks that they're better than anyone else. I mean, in all the movements, in everything, what it starts out as unity and then somehow there's, there's people that come on top and then people are looking to them as saviors or or gurus or whatever it is and really bringing in that we are equal. Mm -hmm. So creating Mm -hmm. more and more spaces where people can feel welcomed, you know, no matter what their choices in their life are. So that's some of the work that I'm, I'm moving towards. So still retreats, still teaching my classes, but adding this element of celebration and then working with the young people too. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, um, you know, it's interesting when you were talking, what came to mind with me. So this is, you know, I was already going to Allison's classes and driving 30 minutes out of the way, sometimes 45 minutes out of the way to go to your classes. And um, and then, you know, the pandemic hit. And I do remember I was one of these people where I was like, you just have to do it on Zoom. Like, how are we going to live without your yoga? And 
I remember it was a really deep time, right? Like all of us coming together on Zoom, like no one really know what we're what we're doing. You know, this is like the first time we're experiencing Zoom yoga in our lives. And just the teachings that came through you. I mean, it was it was rough for a lot, you know, all of us at some level, but the teachings of being you know, okay with what's happening and aware and then but also grieving, but also bringing in the joy and the humor. And this is why your classes are so fun. And this is why you, you know, you have this amazing message. Like you just said, you're able to bring people to this place of tears, right? Crying and grief and moving through this process, but then also seeing that there's there's always the the polarity. There's the two sides, right? Like we're in a this is a dualistic reality. And we can also see the celebration, the joy in all this. Um, so what would you say to people? Because, you know, there, there's a lot of people listening to this um, that are still going through the ringer, you know, including myself on some level. You know, it's like I've been through a massive ringer for the last few months, especially. And, you know, to, to, to just be able to hold both, like being in the grief or being in the you know, like a deep process, but then also staying in that celebration. Like, how do you walk people or how do you envision walking people through this? Like, what's the process here? And like, what are the the lessons? Because I do sometimes feel like our world is so caught up in like one or the other, you know, and it's like lately it just feels like it's all shifting towards like, ah, the chaos and how bad things are. And if it's not this, it's that. It's not this, it's that, you know, but What's the what's the answer to this? <laughs> well, I think that one of the main things that I find with people is that there is sa- such a lack of being able to give the, themselves the space to have expression of their actual emotion. And like this has always been one of my messages is like if we can actually just cry, if everyone would be able to cry on this planet right now, I mean, could you imagine? I mean, just to do child's pose and cry and then maybe a a dance party here and there, we would be a much healthier civilization. So, you know, being able to, because for me too, it's the ringer, you know, having my dad pass and all of the, all of the, the, the situations that, that we're finding ourselves in, each person tailor-made to what their soul is needing in order for their evolution to find their true sovereign nature we're all being tested to find out what is our yes what is our no and really giving ourselves the space to cry to feel angry not to put it all over anyone else so it doesn't come out sideways because this is like I feel one of the big issues is that people are so out of touch, A, with their body, they don't even know they have a body. I mean, I was saying this in yoga class the other day. It's like how grateful we are that you even know you have a leg and an arm, you know, and then forget it. Put on top of that that you actually know that you eat a salad once in a while. And I mean, most people, they are completely disassociated from the, the head down. I mean, even many Madison people that I know, so many people still don't even move their body, you know? So it's like, for me, is having the space to feel all the feelings, to just feel the humanity in it, you know, to feel like where we've been in the past two years and, and like reflect on what our behavior's been, 
you know, my quality of thought, like I've been really sitting with myself, especially before my birthday, you know, everything gets amped up is like the judgment I have, the criticism I have, you know, negative thoughts about, um, uh, about friends I have that are unnecessary. They're just thoughts about myself. So having spaces where we can really feel free to emote what we're feeling, like really, really, and not feeling ashamed and not being self-loathing and not self-whipping and then getting depressed and then all these other things. Real spaces, sacred, exactly, the loop. Just, Downward just, spiral. Just, yeah, just, and it's just a loop. It's yeah. just a constant loop. So having spaces and cultivating um, um, where we can have each other and really feel into what we're feeling. I mean, that, that, that to me is what's missing. It's like my daughter, my son, they're, I, I feel fortunate that at this point, you know, they, my son can say to me, Mommy, I have a lot of energy built up. I think that's why I just need to cry right now. I think that's why... I acted the way I did was because I actually am having a buildup. That's what he said to me the other day. Wow. <laughs> and I just said, Next. oh, my God, like, God bless. Like, if our children can have this kind of awareness of their emotions, then we're not going to have this huge ricochet effect, you know, or the intimacy of because through all this conflict and, you know, um, with my share of conflict and – and also, um, I feel like this is just part of the collective, is there's an ongoing onslaught of very honest conversations that need to happen mm-hmm. all the time. And so I'm talking to myself, too, of having the courage, the clarity, knowing what comes from love and what doesn't, and being able to move into more intimacy in my relationships. And this is what, like, the future can hold, mm-hmm. you know. Or more conflict, more separation, and then we're continually feeling a deep loneliness. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you brought this up because I, w- I want to go into this a bit more because I, I actually just recorded a solo episode where I mentioned, you know, especially working in this psychedelic realm there's a lot of people that are like, oh, oh I'm going to heal my anxiety and my depression with psychedelics. And I'm like, well, wait, what is actually at the root of the anxiety and depression in our society? Because it's so prevalent that now it's kind of like the next, you know, before it was the antidepressants and now it's the psychedelics, which, you know, there's a part of me that's like, okay, this is great. It's a blessing. But then there's also deeper root issues that I think are still being kind of shoved under the rug and aren't being really dealt with for a lot of people, which I believe if you turn to something like psychedelics or plant medicines for this healing, this other stuff is going to come up no matter what, like, you know, because it's, it's the nature of it. Um, you know, you mentioned disconnection, you mentioned, um, you know, looking inside and versus pointing outward, having the safe space to feel the feelings fully, not being ashamed. But um, what is, because you even said, like, there are medicine people that are super disconnected. And I, I mean, we all know this, right? And this is why, this is why this podcast exists, because it's not just about the psychedelics. It's much deeper than that. You know, it's like, well, what's actually wrong? And like 90% of the people I interview talk about this disconnection. 
um, because it is so prevalent in our society. But what do you think, um, you know, the answer is for these people, like, let's say people who are turning to the plant medicine to, you know, solve their problems, but then they still end up in these loops, you know, or they're still in the downward spiral, or they're still, you know, as I say, like, there's war everywhere in the collective. It's not just Russia, Ukraine. It's it's literally all over. But what's, yeah, like, what's at the core of all this? Like, what is this disconnection? I mean, for me, and I'm sure you've heard many guests say this, I mean, it's so ancestral, right? It's like mm-hmm. the original wound of separation where somehow we make the other. It just keeps it just keeps happening over and over. And being a Jewish woman, it's like the Holocaust, like I was the other. You know, it's it's this deep wound of feeling separate. But where mm-hmm. the real separation is is with creator, mm-hmm. is with the source. Where have we forgotten that we are children of God, goddess, whatever name you would like to put in there, or the nameless, or the good, or the source, or the holy one, whatever that umbrella is, or vibration, or how, but, but without that connection, without that, I mean, I couldn't imagine if I didn't have my faith mm-hmm. at this moment. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine if I didn't have a relationship with God the way that I do, that's been cultivated. It wasn't always like this. You know, I grew up going to temple, but it was more a family ritual. I didn't, even through my bat mitzvah, I didn't feel a a connection to God until later on. But without this, without that connection to source, whatever that is for you, whether that's even just like my dad was deeply spiritual, but really it was his moral compass. You know, he was spiritual in the fact that he was like honest, and loving, and reliable, and so I just feel like that is the real source. The disconnect with source is the real source of the separation, of the, of the anxiety, of the depression, because when I work with people with, sometimes people call me just for sessions, they're like, I'm stuck, and we just, talk, we, we just speak, and then we, we hash it out, and we sort of unpack it, and then I, I maybe I'll, I'll, I'll intuit a ritual to give them to do for a certain period of time or something like that. It's like these things are ancestral. It goes all the way back when somehow we forgot that we were children of the earth, that we were Mm -hmm. children of the sun, that we were children of the moon, that we were children like, and that the earth is a sentient being and that the sun is a sentient being and that these are relationships that are alive, you know, and they're not above us. They're in us. We are, we are it. And so within that remembrance of the fact that everything is interdependent is like, again, the separation is like, so people can want to heal their anxiety and their depression, but it's a much deeper research, as you know, It's like, I mean, I've had to go all the way into the Holocaust. And then what was, what was happening with my relatives then? And like, what was the feeling when they had to flee? And like, how does that live in my DNA? And how does that affect my relationship with my husband? And then what am I carrying? And I mean, as you know, healing is not just like, I mean, it'd be great 
people think that they can just take something and it's going to be gone, but that's never it. Healing is, is a multifaceted, zigzag, painful, beautiful, life-altering experience. Yes. That's exactly, that's why I was like, you know, if you turn to a plant medicine thinking it's just going to heal everything, you're like, you're in for a big surprise. But I'm curious, you know, because this is, this has kind of been a lot of my path, right? Like looking for the answers, trying to heal anxiety or heal um, problems in my life, and then coming to the realization that it was that connection with spirit, you know, and like, and myself and the earth that really is when the profound healing started to happen. But it's it's interesting how many people out there are saying like, I feel isolated or lonely or don't have community. And then, you know, it's like, everybody's just looking for the answers. And I get it, you know, I, I find myself doing this all the time. But I'm wondering if the medicine helped helped you really tap into this deeper connection. I know with me, it sure did. Like when I finally, like on a conceptual level, you know, coming from, let's say, a Buddhist path, I, I understood a lot of this conceptually, like intellectually. But until I really started working with the medicine, could I actually like feel it and embody it and understand it and be like, oh, okay, I get it. Like everything is spirit. It's it's in me. It is me. It's part of me. It's not separate. Um, but how has has the medicine affected like these teachings or is it? Oh, my God. 100%. I mean, yes. I mean, I think as like a being, I always had a level of enthusiasm and love. Like that is part of my medicine and I realize it more and more was that I came from a actually functional household, which I is so rare. So there was a level that my self-esteem was protected and that I had was born with a certain enthusiasm like for life. So there was that. That was natural. But really until I came into the medicine, I was asleep. Really. Well, that 31st year, I was a thoughtful person. I was a kind person for the most part. But I was asleep like to the spiritual world or, or any of it because that wasn't part of my childhood. I had no idea. And then, you know, and, and I say this to people, it's like you have to cultivate that experience. Like I didn't, I never knew I pray aloud, which is something I learned in the Native American church, which was very disingenuous to me when I first started doing it. I'd be praying aloud, you know. Good morning, great spirit. But I would feel very funny about it. Yeah. But I kept doing it. And now I feel that channel between my spirit and source, you know. And yeah, the medicine, the medicine brought me my life, brought me my children. I mean, my son was born after a prayer and my daughter was born after three straight days of prayer and my husband was brought to me from the medicine and and like you were even saying you're like you know people go to the medicine but when you said that it's like but the medicine is such a divine being the medicine makes contact with the person actually Mm -hmm. because they're Mm -hmm. ready so they might think they're coming to it but it's actually for them to even for it to even be in their consciousness 
is actually the plant is contacting them. That's how I think about it. Actually, I have a whole blog post that's hidden that I send to people where when they ask me, where can I go get medicine or do medicine or get this or get that? And it's, <laughs> I wrote out this, this thing asking to pray for it to come to you. And pray for the right guidance, the right teachers, the right, you know, situation. Because I, I agree. I mean, that's how it came into my life. I, I, I barely even knew what it was, you know, like when it comes to the ayahuasca. Um, psychedelics came to me quite young in a different way. But um, <laughs> that was a whole other story. But, oh, I, I love hearing this. Um, and then there's, so there's one other concept that you have mentioned a lot, especially the last few years that I want to dive a little deep into. And this is where I've been telling Allison. So I've told Allison over the years that I think she should be um, like a death coach and a grief coach and sovereign coach, which you do all of this, you know, like you're already embodying this to begin with. But um, so the, the concept of being sovereign, this, you know, I first started hearing this word used in this way um, in, in spiritual teachings back in... I think it was about 2016 or 17 where it started coming in through a women's retreat I was on. And of course, I was like, well, what does that mean? It sounds so separate. You know, it sounds so like, well, you know, like shutting out others. And then, of course, over the years, I've learned that it's actually not that at all. Um, and I've had a, I have probably you have, too. I've read over the, the past few years some criticism of people saying, oh, well, if you hear people saying sovereign, like don't buy into it because they're just trying to think about only themselves and not the whole. Um, but let's let's set something straight. When you when you talk about this concept, like what does it really mean in your, you know, in your viewpoint? Like what does it mean to be sovereign and and why is this important for people? Well, I think one of the 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 beginning of this, uh, like for me, is really this concept that we're a hundred percent accountable for ourselves, for our mind, body, actions, spirit, for all of it. Accountable even that we like chose to be here on this planet. So there's so you basically let go of all victim mentality. When I first heard this concept from my teacher, one of my my spiritual mom, Anne Rosencrantz, when I heard her say, you know, we are this is all mirror mirror and that everything, you're 100% accountable for everything. So this leads me into the concept of sovereignty, right? When I first heard it, I was like, I'm not accountable for everything. Like, what about that person? I'm not accountable for them. You know, but like really taking that in. And now as I've matured, I really see how that is. And the sovereign to me is like in so deep within me now. And I think you know, this does, this this concept and this path of sovereignty came from my roots in the Holocaust, right? From from that, like, what does that mean then? Like, that, that has influenced me here of, like, being who you are no matter what. And I think collectively, it is a huge thing in every circumstance, in every situation is, like, what is the yes? What is the no? What is your calling? What isn't? And like, I think spiritual ceremony is a really interesting place to feel into the sovereign because you do like, it's a call to come to the medicine. It's a call. Like if you go because someone told you to go, 
that may not end up in such a, 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 an amazing way for you because that's not really in your sovereignty. That wasn't in that place that's the connected to your higher self that's saying, this is what is necessary for me. And in general, if you're in your sovereignty, a lot of people aren't going to be happy with you. Hmm. There's, there, there potentially is a wake of people that may or may not be happy with your choices in many different ways. I choose not to go to, this is a small, I'll just make a pretend small thing, but I choose not to go to this party tonight because I don't feel it. Like I don't want to, I need to stay home and take care of myself. And so, yes, maybe that's even your best friend's birthday party. But really, if we zoom out and we know that the web is best taken care of by each person taking care of themselves in a respectful way, that that only elevates and helps everyone else. So then within the sovereign, then there needs the other end of it is there has to be this deep respect for everyone. And, and, and that we really don't know the inner alchemy for each one of what they need for their soul's mission, for their evolution, and what is necessary for them, you know. So it's like, and this has been a big teaching for me because I've been really investigating like any place I've imposed myself and my beliefs or my opinions or what I think would be good for that person and really have been in a process of dissolving all that, um, you know, especially these past two years, which has created a more open-minded quality within myself that I thought I was open-minded, but I really wasn't. So that's like the sovereign to me, you know, it's like my inner queen that's, that, that is like guided and knows best for me, not for anyone else, for me. It's so beautiful. I had a whole dieta in um, 2018 that the theme, or actually it was 2019, I guess, the theme was sovereign queen. It was just like everything that came through. And I was like, oh, okay, like that's who I am. Like that's who I need to become. And that's really when I started grasping this concept of like, really listening to myself. And and Allison has witnessed me not listen to myself or listen to myself, but then not take care of myself um, because that's hard, you know, and especially in the world that we're in now, right? The last two years has been, um, y- you know, concepts and opinions and advice being thrown at us from every single direction, telling us what to do, how to live, what to choose, you know, how to feel, what to believe, you know, I have a hard time believing anything anymore except what comes through me Um, because it's just, which, you know, I actually, that's where I'm like, well, maybe this, this whole, like the fact that I personally can't trust any news, like whether we consider it fake news or real news or channel or mainstream or, uh, you know, it's like, I just trust what feels like truth in my body. Um, But I, I have seen this this kind of pushback where, you know, how do we come to le- come together in the collective, right? Like you said, take personal responsibility. And actually, I've been working with a coach um, who I just completed with for the last couple of years who that's like all the teaching is personal responsibility, getting out of victim mentality, like taking, you know, 
taking care of yourself like on a deep level, but also watching how easy it is to go into these other like blame the other or blame the external or be a victim or not take responsibility and how that's actually just keeping you in these patterns of the, the what I always call the downward spiral. It's like if things aren't going well in your life, but you're stuck in victimhood, like, well, maybe that's one of the reasons why. Um, but then how do we get this into balance in the collective? Like we all, you know, at least I like to think everybody listening to this podcast does envision this new earth that we're creating, that we're, to me, like already in, right, on some level. Um but how do we get it right together? You know, if we all take care of ourselves, like where is that balance between um, doing what's right for the the earth or the world or humanity? Like how do we even know what's right? Does that come up? Do you ever get people challenging you on that? Well, I feel like it's, you know, because there's, there's so much trauma. There, like the moral, the moral compass is really – a little bit fractured right now, you know? So for me, how to come together as a collective, like I know for me, it's like within my relationships, I can start there. It's like these smaller, these smaller groups, maybe something today that we taught that we're speaking about touches one person. I mean, it really is that these smaller, um, that you, you touch the people that you're with and that, ripples out and the belief that like these small changes and shifts within oneself and they're not selfish. So, I mean, people know if they're doing something that's good for them or not in a deep place inside themselves, you know, does it, it, they, they know whether it's benefiting anyone or not, you know. So, we, I mean, yeah, but even now, I mean, we see how many more people are open to these kinds of dialogues and conversations compared to two years ago. And I'm with you that the new earth is being created and that this whole other deep layer of respect is being born, you know, with this sovereignty, with this like new level of 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 really feeling the human the, the humanness in each one you know mm. it's like the war that's happening it's like mm. yeah the innocent people everywhere it's like all about all of us uniting right mm-hmm. it's about the people it's just about the people mm-hmm. and finding that respect and all i know is i can just keep cultivating that within myself and I fail all the time. And then I can't self-with or self-loathe or become depressed or, you know, stop making breakfast for my kids in the morning just because I did something. But I try again and, and do even better. And I think these small little gestures is is going to create the tipping point. Yeah, the, the collective tipping point. I love this. Ah. I love it. You just said something really important and it's interesting. I've noticed this, I mean, within myself, you know, it's gotten better over the years, but with clients, um, people, let's say something fails or they make a mistake or something doesn't go right. And and it is so easy to fall into the downward spiral of self-loathing, self-hate, beating oneself up. I mean, 
Luckily, my clients have a lot of support to get them through that. But I've seen this over the years. Like I've seen people get stuck in a program, like not willing to even try getting out of their um, dialogue on the internal that is just constantly keeping them down. Um, And I actually, it's interesting. Lately, I've been really inquiring into why do humans hate themselves so much? Like what, what is that? Like why does this even exist? It's It's been mystifying me. It's been, I don't know why it's been coming up a lot the last few months, probably because I'm doing a lot of my own internal work on a deeper level of self-love. Um, but what is the process to, to step out of this? I mean, is this, does it just come back to prayer and connection with source and the earth? Like what, what is this? And, you know, how do you, do you think there is this potential for people to start, trying a new way of being to have a happier life like within themselves and then in this collective like you know what what is this process like what's work for you I mean I think that there has to be a a willingness mm-hmm. without that we're 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 up the creek so to speak I mean there has to be a willingness there has to be the awareness that this is even cycling through their life. I mean, I'm sure you see clients all the time. It's like the same story keeps keeps moving through. And and there's still it, it's like, okay, this one student I had in the city, this gentleman. And I would say to him, you need to use blocks. Like I don't know what to tell you, but your hamstrings are tight. And he did not want to use blocks because he felt like that was less than to use blocks. Mm. I no matter what I said. So this, this was my student for a long time, but people can't hear until they're ready to hear, right? So we also have to have trust in that, in the process, in the divine order of it all. So then finally I said, listen, you know, men who don't use blocks when they need it will never find mm-hmm. a date. And I said that in front of my yeah. class because they're not humble enough to use the blocks, I didn't obviously say his name, but he knew I was no directly. Way. Anyway, he goes over, he gets the blocks. Funny enough, he had a date the next week. That was the funniest part. But anyway, I say this story because it was like amazing to me that I was saying this one simple teaching, not even as above, just as someone who like had studied something to let him know he's coming to my class to receive the information that I had and he still would not do it. You know, and then I had to do this sort of like grandmother's slap across the face, the little Italian grandma and say, wake up. So I, I feel like this is the important part is like there's we're also there's like a trust that people are evolving at the pace that they need to. And that's why coming back to ourselves, like we can only truly work on ourselves and help spread potentially a positive message. But that's part of the great mystery too. We don't know what wakes people up. And maybe they're not ready to because they can't handle it yet, you know. So we keep plugging around. And I also think that the distraction that so many of us with our fragmented minds that we need more practices that create a stronger will to be able to handle ourselves and our dysfunctions. Because like what you said, I, do, I was doing a Kriya and I was doing, I'm like, I'm doing a 40-day Kriya. 
So I was at day 15. And if you've ever done Kriyas, this can happen. You could be at day 39, something comes up, then you have to start the whole Kriya over again because it wasn't firmly in your spirit, right? Like you weren't totally, there's something that got in the way. And so day 15, and I was about to fall asleep and I'm like, I didn't do my Kriya. And then I fell asleep. So needless to say, the next day I wake up, I'm like, I can't believe it. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to do it again. I'm just, I'm going to give up. I'm not going to do it again. It's not going to happen. And then the other side of Allison said, you're starting it again tomorrow. You wanted to do this 40-day Kriya. Flex your muscle, Allison, now. What is this other voice? Who is this other voice? You know? And so I started again, a little ho-humming, because I didn't want to. I wanted to give up. But I feel like this happens regularly for people each day in small and larger amounts. So willingness, awareness, and like a little bit of strength building mm. will help us through. Yeah, the, the resiliency, which I think, by the way, it's going to be so important in this world. I mean, to me, it's already so important, but it's going to become more and more important as we enter into, you know, I, I don't think the world is going to get, quote, easier anytime soon. I think it's going to be, you know, just chaotic for a while. Um, You know, not not to be negative, but to be like realistic. And I do believe there's there is some lack of resiliency and willingness. And I can't because I've witnessed this over the years with certain clients as well, where it's like, OK, you want to start a business. It is a deep process. It is no joke. It's not easy. If it were easy, everybody on the earth would be an entrepreneur. And yeah, it can be easier. It's easier when you get support. But what I found is that the easy part of business is like the marketing and all the tangibles, but then it's the soul work that's really freaking hard. And people want to give up all the time. I've seen it. I've been in groups with 150 new entrepreneurs and only like 10 people make it, you know, because they just aren't willing to sit in the discomfort of, um, you know, something fail or people say no or something doesn't go right or it's, you know, up and down for a while. You know, there's there's an entire book written about this called The Dip that I reference all the time. But it's it's really interesting because I can't figure out. I mean, I think it's I always say I was raised by a family that was kind of like um, taught me resiliency. You know, it was like it was kind of ingrained into our family. Like I had to work. I had to do chores. I had like things that I didn't want to do that I had to do. Um, And it wasn't really about suffering, but it was about, you know, really seeing that sometimes we do have to sit in discomfort and do things that we don't like, but it's for a growth or an evolution of our soul. so that's that's really interesting you bring this up. Do you do you believe that medicine can help teach people this? Cuz I've I've talked about this myself with why I like working with medicine people as clients because when you're on this path if you're able to sit with some really hard ceremonies or discomfort in medicine or go into some darkness which to me has happened to almost everybody out there then hey then you can like get through business. But yeah, do you think medicine is going to play a part in all this on some level, especially with the growth? I mean, it does for me. I mean, how many ceremonies over the past 17 years? First of all, let's just talk the length of the ceremonies. I mean, some of the ceremonies that many of them are from sunset to beyond sunrise with having to sit up and, and engage myself and be clear 
and still keep a, try and keep a prayerful gesture inside myself the whole time. I mean, so just the length, like the training, I've said many times to some of my sisters, it's like, thank God for this training that we've had just in the resilience of just A, not eating for huge amounts of time, for long periods of time, for having to stay awake and engaged and helpful for a long period of time. So just in that, in the nature of the ceremony alone has created a lot of resilience for me, a lot. And yes, and then, so there's just that, like, material component of it, I guess. And then being able to sit with myself in those dark places where I I literally, I just could not, having to witness all the parts of myself that felt so ugly and really sit with that and think that it wasn't going to end and know that it did gives has given me also a... Uh, a bigger resource of hope. <laughs> oh. So yes, I would agree for me. I don't know for everyone. I definitely don't think medicine is for everyone. I think it's there's a lot of people that it's I, I definitely would never suggest it for. But I don't suggest medicine to people anyway, but um uh yeah, it definitely for me is hugely helpful and also in these times to have uh, spaces with medicine that clear my energy. I don't know where I would be at this moment for the past two years if I haven't had the spaces to go, to cry, to scream, to connect, to sing, to pray, to be in community. We say it all the time, me and my sisters, like, how do people do it? I love it. I, I say this too. I'm like, God, if I didn't have these tools, I don't know if I'd be alive right now. I mean, I don't know if I could make it. I, I sometimes don't understand how people without spiritual practices or tools or, you know, a daily practice or prayer or ritual, anything, I don't know how they survive. Although I do know there's a lot of dissociating out there. Um, but Allison, let's hear about what it is you're up to now and what you have coming up this year over the next few months. Um, where can people find you, follow you? As Beth knows, this is always the hard part for me is the self <laughs> Promote yourself. Yay! Woo! Okay, so um, I, have, I have a big uh, – it's called Celebration Revival, and that's going to be on May 15th in Stone Ridge in upstate New York. And this will all be on my website, which is also in a um, rebirth process right now with my uh, friend Lene. So this is happening. So alisonsinatra.net and um, it'll be on there May 15th from 4 to 6 p.m. You'll come, you'll enter a sacred space of uh, this beautiful Kiva uh, built all in sacred geometry in Stone Ridge. And there'll be an amazing DJ. And we will start with a prayer of unity and a gesture to release and move our energy, have an amazing dance party. This I know I can do. Uh, I can throw. And then it will end with a sound healing, a prayer. And this will be hopefully bi-monthly, if not, or monthly. And this is, the first one is on Beltane. So we're super excited. There'll be a fire going outside. And um, so 
all details will be on my website. Also, Instagram I'm on, which I'm not as active as apparently I should be. Yeah. I'm still trying to understand how to deal with that format, but I'm on there and I will post all my events. And I have um, breathwork sessions, group, private. Um, I have two live classes in upstate New York, yoga, um, both in Accord, New York. And that's also on my website. Um, and online like yoga. Online yoga on Thursdays. Still, I, I Zoom is hard, as we all know. But I have my dedicated group that's been with me for two years, and I love them. And I, I don't know how I would leave them. Um, and that's on Thursdays, 10 to 11. And lastly, I have a retreat at Menla, which is the first weekend in August, Friday to Sunday, and that will be um, Menla Mountain Retreat in Phoenicia, and that will be with Jessica Kaplan, and we're going to be doing voice activation, sweat lodge, yoga, breath work. She's amazing if you don't know her. She's totally incredible. And so she's another Madison sister, and so that will be an extraordinary event as well. Well, we have Allison's links. You can follow her on Instagram. Check out her all her offerings. I highly recommend her. Allison, oh, it was so great to talk to you and have you share your unique medicine, share your voice here with the audience. I really appreciate you so much and have a beautiful, happy birthday. I love you, Bethy. <laughs> I love you too. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's really, really nice to be able to just speak with you. I love you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're feeling inspired, I'd appreciate it if you showed your love with a review. And check out my YouTube channel where you can find the video version of this podcast. You can also head to BethAWeinstein.com to learn more about me and grab my free business growth trainings. Remember, you carry your own unique medicine and your medicine is what we need for these times. 